BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastore led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective on the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective you could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, and with me I have, in the place to be, my boy J.O., of course, chopping it up with me once again about all the classics. I want to give a shout-out to everybody out there listening stateside and worldwide for all of your support again. Thank you for showing love to us on our new host on Red Circle, and of course, thank you for showing love on the YouTube channel. Continue subscribing to the YouTube channel and checking us out. And spreading the word, get the word out there. We got lots of new things we're gonna coming up with this year, lots of bonus content. So y'all stay tuned. Check up on the YouTube channel and everything else, man. Stay engaged with us and thanks for supporting the vault. As we like to say each and every day here on the vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics. And Jay, we got another one here today. It's a little bit unconventional what we normally do here on the vault. For those here, which you know, we normally do on albums of 20 25 and 30 years on their release dates this one is a little bit out of order and the reason being why i had to do it like this and we had to schedule it so far ahead is because around the anniversary date of this album the schedule is so stacked i needed to find some open dates to be able to put some albums in place that i know that we needed to cover so this one is not exactly on the anniversary date but it is celebrating its 30th anniversary of course, I'm talking about none other than 
out of the Fifth Ward of Houston, the third studio album by the Ghetto Boys, We Can't Be Stopped. It was released on July 9th, 1991. Their most successful album released in terms of units sold. And it was released, of course, on the iconic Rap-A-Lot Records. The classic Rap-A-Lot Records, as a matter of fact. And it was recorded between 1990 to 1991 with a runtime of 51 minutes and 45 seconds. Producers on this, Bushwick Bill, James Smith, John Bido, John C., Roland, Scarface, Simon, and Willie D. And the Ghetto Boys, of course, made up of the trio of Scarface, Bushwick Bill, and Willie D. But originally, that's not how the Ghetto Boys was made up. For those who don't know, um, the Ghetto Boys was actually originally formed in 1987, was made up of Bushwick Bill, Raheem, the Sire Jukebox, and Sir Rapalot. And Raheem and Sir Rapalot left, and the group added, who was an original Ghetto Boy member, DJ Reddy Red. Prince Johnny C, and then, of course, who was known as Bushwick Bill. Back then, he was known as Little Billy. He was a dancer. The first album in that iteration of the Ghetto Boys on Rap-A-Lot Records did not do well. So what happened is that the label dropped them and uh, ended up reconstituting the group by adding on Willie D and Scarface, who at that time were up-and-coming rappers in the Houston area. And they released their second album, which was the first debut album of this iteration of the Ghetto Boys, which was Grip It on Another Level, which came out in 1989. There was a self-titled album, Ghetto Boys, in 1990, and then We Can't Be Stopped in 1991. Now, during the recording of We Can't Be Stopped, DJ Ready Red actually left uh, the group during the recording, and uh, the most known version of the Ghetto Boys of Scarface, Willie D, and Bushwick, is what came to be known for the majority of the rest of their time while they were together as a group. But this was um, for a lot of us who weren't in the South and were in Houston that didn't necessarily know a lot about the Ghetto Boys. This was really our introduction to them for the most part, and it was due to a very successful single. The only single on this album, which is the classic track, My Mind's Playing Tricks On. So here we are, Jay. We can't be stopped by the Ghetto Boys. And the one thing that I sort of like to say about the Ghetto Boys is they sort of sort of like uh, the Trouble Three groups as far as when it comes to the um, RIAA and then also the censors and the government. Uh, I would put them in the category along with NWA and also with Two Live Crew. Absolutely. <laughs> about those <laughs> who gave the censors hell in regards to their content. Now, a lot of people we'll talk about as far as the ghetto boys content they talk a lot about street life there's a lot of stuff you know they that's been described as misogyny a lot of it has even been described as what they call horrorcore music and grip it on another level probably was described as one of the earliest uh forerunners when it comes to horrorcore rap or hip-hop you know by listening to the first few albums like i think a few years ago i listened to grip it on another level which was the first one involving willie d and scarface and was surprised at how some of the how explicit some of the content was, even for 1989. Taking a brief listen to Ghetto Boys, the second album, but then this one, you really hear it. It's like <laughs> you can hear, like you know, why people were probably so upset, like in 1991. You no, know, absolutely. Listening like. to <laughs> listening to the content because even like it's just been 30 years, bro. Like you know, it's obviously you know 
now it's just like you can even think about and look at it like you know how much more conservative what America was back then and now listening to the content the lyrics and things it's like whoa I could only imagine just how you know berserk the censors and you know everyone you know activists probably were up in arms so you could see why they lumped in with that sort of with that group with NWA two live crew that this really is what gave the censors their test and to be like okay see this little sticker right here we're gonna have to put this on these albums to let people know like hey Parents, you might want to check and listen into what your kids are listening to, right? <laughs> and they were really pioneers in that in that sense, along with Two Live Crew and NWA. The fact that they really helped to change the way that we classified rap in regards to stuff that may be friendly and stuff that's not necessarily so clean or friendly. Yeah, I mean, people like you know they kind of like uh, kind of undermine like how important these three groups were in the hip hop, especially Two Live Crew. I mean. You know, because of course, like, you know, Ghetto Boys, N.W.A., they, they had the explicit lyrics and everything like that. But, I mean, Luke and them was going to jail behind that stuff. You know yeah, what I mean? So, like, exactly. it was actually getting locked up. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think N.W.A. got locked up, too, at some point. Yeah, they So, did. I mean, like, and just, like, just imagine, like, you know what I'm saying, had they lost those cases. I mean, because they basically won under, you know, the whole uh, thing of the Constitution of Freedom of Speech. So, yeah, if they would have lost that case, man, like, hip-hop would probably be a memory at this point. Exactly. And so, let's talk about how uh how bad things were when it came to ghetto boys because while they didn't go to jail there definitely was a problem with the distribution of their album the first album the make it well the very first one for the first version of ghetto boys which was making trouble in 1988 and then grip it on that other level in 1989 which was the most recent one that we know of version of the ghetto boys Ghetto Boys was um, 1990. The third album was remixed by Rick Rubin, which they were signed to. However, because of the content of their music, they had a falling out with Geffen, who was the label's distributor. They didn't want anything to do with their lyrics. Any of the, you know, they said it was too violent. It was too misogynistic. It was too graphic. And as a result of that, Rick Rubin had to arrange for them to get distribution through Warner Brother Records, ironically enough. The other part of the fallout of this is that having to go through another label for distribution because that's the problem that you deal with because they're like, hey, this is too violent. It's too graphic. We can't deal with that. So this album with with having to get it distributed through Warner Brother Records is a result of them not being able to do it through Geffen because Geffen wanted nothing to do with it. It is crazy considering like, you know, that's how we have to understand we're coming off of you know, Reagan presidency into a Bush 41 presidency and the country was still hip hop was still relatively new to a lot of. And in the hip hop, they knew wasn't anything that was too it was tame for the most part. When you start getting into the N.W.A. and the public enemies and the two live crews, that's the part of hip hop that America didn't necessarily want to see. Just part of the history that goes on. But just uh, here we are with the uh, ghetto boys. We can't be stopped. So 30 years ago. The one thing that I know more about than anything about this album, the single, which we all know, um, mm-hmm. the mind plays tricks on me. And the two things that I remember, one is about how many times it was being played on the radio at that time. And um, the differences between one, what you heard on the radio, then eventually what you heard on the album. But then really the big thing that we all remember was the music video. <laughs> like right. everybody remembers that classic video um with the three of them in there and the v- images and the that you saw in the video that really helped to propel the popularity of the song other than that i didn't necessarily know a whole lot about this album and didn't really listen to it until fairly recently the whole album itself 
you read a lot of things about the grip it on that other level and how important it was to Houston hip hop because that basically helped to kick down the door for Houston artists really is what it did and Ghetto Boys was really the first act out of Houston that made a nationwide impact so just your thoughts Jay on you listening to it and what you thought about it yeah so I mean like back then like you know basically like, you know I was like what, 10 years old so the, the main one I knew was like mind playing tricks on me and that was all over the radio you know what I'm saying it was like on BT MTV and everything and, and jukebox network I think we still called it back then yeah the jukebox um, <laughs> the yeah, jukebox yeah. yeah good old yeah like with that robotic voice UKB DVJ and all that stuff like <laughs> right. takes me back bro <laughs> yeah exactly taking it back right exactly you know what I'm saying Back then, I mean, I, I really couldn't process what they were talking about. But then, you know, I mean, I guess like now, I mean, in this climate, and you go back and listen to that one particular track. I mean, it just talks about like it really like put a highlight on this on before it's time. I say like mental health issues, like mental illness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Saying like, you know, being paranoid and yeah. hallucinations and stuff like that, which, you know, was pretty much no one talked about in the black community. I still, I still don't think they really talk about it yeah. in the black community, but like. Throughout the years, I actually like, got the got the album and like listened to it and like, and I just remember like how aggressive Willie D sounded on his joints. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're right, exactly. <laughs> it been some years, but now now I listen to it now. I mean, Willie D sound, sounds just as much aggressive as he did then. Yeah. Um, but then like you know the subject matter of it, like you no know, now being a, a full fledged whole grown adult, like. They operate from the same vein that Tupac did as far as like, you know, music back then that talked about issues that are still like relevant to this day. Yeah. So like for all the controversy and lyrics and all like that, like, you know, the subject matter is still relevant. So it's like, you know, I just saw they were geniuses for that. Yeah. I mean, throughout everything they've been going through. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I really think listening to some songs, especially on here, songs like you know, fuck a war, mom playing mm-hmm. tricks on me, right? you know, ain't with being broken, you know, things like that. You talk about like, you know, another nigga in the morgue, things like that. You sort of hear and just like know that it's still stuff that's relevant to this day. The thing that always intrigued me about Ghetto Boys was this, the difference in the three members that were involved in this version of the group. You got Scarface, who is grizzled veteran, been around for a while. Back then, you could sort of tell that there was something a little bit different about him than the rest of the group. Willie D has always been an interesting character to me, you know, the gangster love. (laughs) But like you said, he sounds really, really aggressive on this record. And it kind of still rings true to what he is today. If you know and follow Willie D on social media and even listen to the podcast that he has, it's (laughs) he's like that one reckless friend that you want that you're around that will say anything out of his mouth around anyone. Particularly, he will say anything around women and won't really care exactly how misogynistic it sounds or at all at all, you know, (laughs) but he'll just do it because he's reckless. And then Bushwick is just like, you know, he's one of the most unique characters in hip hop. Like when you talk about unique characters, it's almost like you can look at him and it's like, you know, he's almost in a category sort of by himself, you know. Other than the fact that physically you look at him, he's only three foot, eight inches tall. And um, but he also had a really unique voice as well. And he more than the other two really sort of dig dug into that horrorcore stuff more than anybody else. I mean, even on one track on here, and we'll get into the tracks, even like on Chucky, you start to hear about like, you know, how explicit he is. Like he's almost 
much more explicit on than Scarface and Willie D on this in his lyrics. I mean, Agreed. The, the imagery in a lot of the tracks on here. The one thing I will have to say about the Ghetto Boys is that they were raw. Like we talked a lot about when you hear about raw rap and raw hip hop, like the imagery, the things that they explain, how explicit it is. The imagery in a lot of these lyrics is it's it's uh, really jarring at some times to listen to, even as a grown man, like in my late 30s. I'm like, wow, you know, now I know there's a reason why I wasn't listening to this at 10 years old. You know what I mean? Right. So but uh, I mean, I've dug into the ghetto boys. I mean, individually, of course, listening to Scarface, I'm a huge fan of Scarface. Uh, I've been a fan of some of the stuff Willie D has done. Uh, he's a great follower on social media nowadays. And, of course, the late, great Bushwick Bill, who actually passed away, I believe it is almost two years ago now, from pancreatic cancer. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and also the original DJ Reddy Red passed away as well in 2018. Now we're going to get into highlights to sort of give our opinion on what we think about the tracks. So, Jay, just uh, give me an idea of your highlights of the tracks that you listen to. And uh, any lowlights if you have them. Yeah, so as far as like highlights, I'm gonna have to say, um, I mean, I would definitely say fuck a war. Yeah. You know, especially like, you know, everything that we've seen in our lifetime as far as like, you know, war in Iraq and everything like that. I mean, shout out to all the troops. I mean, we thank them for their service at the same time, you know, the reason behind it. I mean, just like how it was relevant back then with the Gulf War, you know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. Even though it was two separate wars and two separate leaders, I mean, yeah, versus Bush forty one, and then um, George W. Like, I mean, it was still the same problem. Yeah. So I mean, it's just that's why I say it's, it's a crazy example how it's still relevant. I mean, of course, my mind playing tricks on me. You know, that's just a classic joint. Yeah. Like that, that sample, that sample spin alone was just like yeah. mind blowing to me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I might need to put this like in my song rotation, but like ain't with being broke. You know what I'm saying? As far as like, motivational music, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, um, I feel you. Yeah, try and get them coins, you know what I'm saying? So um I would to say just like just off the horrorcore, looking at it as objective man, like the horrorcore aspect, I would say Chucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a funny joint to me, but I'm not a gentleman, like <laughs> 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 Willie D, man, at his reckless best. I mean Oh man. <laughs> it pretty much just man it, it was a blatant to dismantle ladies first, like, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. So um and like just like the lyrical content behind it, it's like, damn, Willie D, like you was a, you was raw, raw back then. Right, exactly. Um, Riggedy. <laughs> and, then, um, <laughs> uh, and then um as far as low lights, I don't know if you want I don't know if I don't know if we really call it a low light, but I don't really think the punk bitch game drink should have been on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to really serve a purpose to me. I mean, yeah. I can see like being in concert, like, you know, the hype of the crowd, the momentum, everything that I just didn't think, you know what I'm saying, really did any justice on the album. Yeah. That's probably one low I, I could think of off this train, to be honest. True. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. So my highlights, um, I definitely was a fan of all of the solo Scarface tracks. So that was another nigga in the morgue. Uh, Gotta let your nuts hang. Obviously, I think that's mm-hmm. probably Scarface at his best. And then Quickie. <laughs> which oh, is yeah, actually yeah. a pretty you know funny track and each one of the members has three solo tracks on here and then there are three tracks where they all rap together crazy thing about this as well is that i'm not a gentleman by willie d it's so funny that you mentioned that because i wrote this in my notes this only could have been done 30 years ago it couldn't have been done today oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that once he was using it as a response to ladies first and the fact that he's using everything to say, nah, fuck that. I don't care. Fuck all this shit. Like, you know, I'm not no motherfucking gentleman. I think the words that they would use for that today was this would be misogynistic. It would be, uh, what is it? Toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> it would be promoting the patriarchy. Right. <laughs> all those buzzwords that they talk about too, nowadays. Like- <laughs> you know, all those buzzwords are everything. That's exactly what that would be. And it's crazy. Thinking that he would use that and go at that song and the concept of that song would fire back on something like this. That's what's wild about it. Um, gotta love Fuck a War. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely have to love my playing tricks on me. You're right, man. That sample, which is hung up on my baby by Isaac Hayes, just that um, that guitar and <laughs> that hmm. guitar riff on the bridge and right before the song begins and. And the imagery of that song, especially the opening lyrics on the song that Scarface says, you know, about at night I can't sleep, I toss and turn, candle sticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. I mean, it's just like like one of those opening lines and lyrics that just stick with you in one of those classic songs. That's one of the big ones, though. But that song will always sort of stand out. And ain't with being broke. I got to get there with get you with that. And uh, to me, a standout on that is Bushwick Bill's verse, especially talking about some. He was watching roach rats and roaches eat better than he was. And, right. you know, they couldn't afford milk, so they was sucking on his mother's teddy. Like, it was just like, whoa, that's crazy, man. Trophy was a good way to end the, end the album out. It was uh, talking about the whole thing about the Grammys. And, you know, at that time, man, rap music was still at war with the Grammys because they were awarding rap one award, and that award wasn't even televised on television, you know? So, right. and it's amazing that, you know, 30 years from now, how big we've gotten and hip-hop is sort of taking over the Grammys now as far as like their physical spectacle and everything, but they still don't get the respect that they reserve. But if you could imagine 30 years ago, how bad it was, you know, that right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I was, I will say for this Grammy round, as far as rap, somebody must get like really stern talking to those choices. Yeah. They're really good. Damn Gibbs and Jay electron. Like, oh shit. Yeah, like yeah, electronic and Nas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's how bad it was back then. Yeah. I mean, not really any low light on this for me. I do have to agree a little bit with the punk bitch game because I think that was something ill to have in a concert. 
But if they mm. could have taken that and then flipped it into a song, if they were right, willing to yeah, have, yeah, yeah. if they were willing to have like a female MC on that track with them, then that would have been a cool concept for a song. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think it would have been, at least back then, there were any female MCs at that time that would have been willing to be on a Ghetto Boys track, considering the fact that how misogynistic their lyrics were. You know, I mean, I definitely wasn't getting anything from Queen Latifah or Moni Love, <laughs> considering what was on this joint. <laughs> And probably not anything with MC Light or Roxanne or anyone else like that. that. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of a missed opportunity to me. But other than that, I mean, really solid tracks. One, you sort of get captured in by like, you know, how gripping and aggressive the tone is. A lot of these and how dark some of the lyrics are. Really solid offering, I will have to say, in all. And lots of samples being used in the production. So we talk about that Isaac Hayes sample on Mine's playing Trick on Me on that homie don't play at there were things like you know samples by funkadelic you know knee deep by funkadelic also more bounce to the ounce by zap and roger the atomic dog by george clinton uh-huh. pumping it up by p-funk all-star so rough so tough by roger troutman i'm not a gentleman has i heard that by quincy jones and also you'll like it too by funkadelic fuck a war by devil with the bus by sound experience so there are a lot of different samples on here. Uh, Quickie with Impeach the President by the Honey Drippers and Ohani by the Delegation. Uh, one thing I do have to give, like, Ghetto Boys and then also any, like, West Coast and, of course, that part of, like, the Midwest to down south, like, you know, southwest, like, sort of hip-hop groups, they were really into the whole funk genre. You know what I'm saying? And they based a lot mm-hmm. of their production around that. So it's another thing I saw in the message as well is that there were a lot of funk elements from samples that were being used. So now we're going to get into Notable Quotables. See what you got, Jay. What you have for Notable Quotables. What do you have in regards to a Notable verse? I mean, i probably say like Bushwick's verse on um, Fuck a War. Like, the whole thing, motherfucker war, that's how I feel. Sending a nigga to, to a dentist to get killed because two suckers can't agree on something. A thousand motherfuckers die for nothing. You can't pay me to join the army camp or any motherfucking military branch of this United Goddamn States of America. Be a soldier, what for? They put niggas on the front line, but when it comes to getting ahead, they put us way behind. I ain't getting my legs shot off with Bush old ass on TV playing golf. But when you come to my house with a draft shit, I'm gonna shoot your funky ass bitch. A nigga will die for a brawl, but I ain't fighting behind no goddamn oil. I get you motherfuckers. I don't know. Yo, Bush, I ain't your damn hoe. The enemy is right here, G. The foreigners never did shit to me. All of those wasted lives, only one or two get recognized. But what good is a medal when you did? Tell Uncle Sam, I said, you know what I mean? So. Motherfucker war, right? War, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. it's just. I mean, like, that whole thing. I mean, you could. I mean, I'm pretty sure people was like saying that about Vietnam back in the day. Like, yeah. Like, the people over there ain't did nothing to me. Like, why well, I gotta fight them for? Yeah. And as a matter of fact, that second verse of that fuck a war. He said exactly that um, in that song. He did say, you know, in Vietnam, a lot of niggas died young. POWs got hung. What the fuck do I know about a grenade? All I know is a rap to my 12 gauge. And what if that pin gets stuck? Several more casualties show up. You know, it's like the same thing he's talking about, you know? So it's, it's like, yo, you could take any war in American history starting from Vietnam on and you'll get the same exact response from a lot of different people. So it's crazy how the wars and the locations of those wars change and the messages don't change much at all so yeah you're right it's uh that was definitely one of my favorites about fuck a war on there and just sort of reminds to me again about how much at war the hip-hop generation of that part 
was at war with Ronald Reagan and George Bush. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they were anti-rap everything. You know what I'm saying? Anti-rap. Some people say anti-black as well. So um, my verse comes from, a notable quotable comes from Scarface. Third verse, actually, on Mind Playing Tricks on Me. Mm-hmm. And they said, day by day, it's more impossible to cope. I feel like I'm the one that's doing dope. Can't keep a steady hand because I'm nervous. Every Sunday morning, I'm in service, praying for forgiveness and trying to find an exit out the business. I know the Lord is looking at me, but yet and still, it's hard for me to feel happy. I often drift while I drive, having fatal thoughts of suicide, bang and get it over with. And then I'm worry free, but that's bullshit. I got a little boy to look after. And if I die, then my child will be a bastard. I had a woman down with me. But to me, it seemed like she was down to get me. She helped me out in this shit. But to me, she was just another bitch. Now she's back with her mother. And now I'm realizing that I love her. And now I'm feeling lonely. Hmm. My mom's playing tricks on me. (laughs) It's just like, you just think about like that verse. I mean, it's talking about like, you know, we talked about the importance of, you know, the stigma of mental health and depression and things like that, paranoia. And people will say that, oh, it's just like, you know, you're paranoid and stuff like that. But it's like those things just talk about like all this stuff seems real to people, especially if you're experiencing it, you know? And um, I think we sort of looked at this song like it was like, yo, it's a pretty cool song or whatever and nice beat and nice lyrics. But does the message under underlying with it more than anything else really sort of speaks to a deeper struggle? You know what I mean? It's, um, mm-hmm. It's it's really the whole thing. I mean, even with Willie D, Willie D's verse talking about being in the car and then these headlights that are following him, they've been following him for the last couple of, you know, hours. And he's thinking he's getting scared, thinking about whether the nigga he shot last week is it the police, is it this or that. And it's really people that deal with stuff like that now. And it's even 30 years ago. Talk a song about like that now. That's like talking about that whole thing about paranoia and mental health and issues and things like that. You know what I mean? So, Yeah. Yeah, really kind of struck me. A lot of people will pick that first verse, but to me, that second Scarface verse in this song is really what stuck with me more than anything else. So, yeah. But we didn't talk about this earlier, but I did want to touch on this. The cover of this album is another point oh. of contention. <laughs> because yeah. of now, the for those that don't aren't in front of a computer, and if you're looking at this pod, you'll be able to see the album on the cover art. It's a photo of bushwick bill in the hospital he's on a gurney with a bandage on his face that's being certainly peeled off with willie d to his right and scarface to his left sort of pulling the gurney down the hot the hallway so the story around that photo is this well sometime during that year what happened is that uh bushwick bill i guess under the influence of drugs and then also was uh, having an argument with his lady Supposedly, he was under the influence of PCP and Everclear, which is a hell of a mixture, you know, (laughs) and he was egging his girlfriend on to shoot him during an argument and they got into a tussle and he got shot in the eye. And he eventually later told Howard Stern that it was a scheme for his mother to collect his life insurance Mm -hmm. so that she could pay the deductible on her medical insurance. Showed you just how twisted this plot and this scheme was. So Bushwick Bill was in the hospital. Willie D and Scarface both get to the hospital along with their management. Now they're working on this, you know, this album is getting ready to come out. They wanted to make sure he was all right. And they said he was going to survive. Then that's when Willie D said, Hey, well, he's alive. 
let's go ahead and shoot the album cover right now while he's in the hospital. I guess what happened is that, from what I understand, they all talked it over. They asked Bill whether he wanted to do it. He said he doesn't care. So then they got to ask the nurse for a gurney. Then they ended up wheeling him down the hall, and they got the picture of it. And it looks like he's holding the phone. Um, and he is holding the phone, but he wasn't talking to anybody on it. He just peeled the bandage off. And then you see that vivid, that image of them coming down the hallway. Now, afterwards, Bushwick Bill says that, Looking back on it, he felt some pain about it and regrets about doing it because he said it still looks, you know, hurts me to look at that cover because it was a personal thing that I went through. I still feel the pain from the fact that I got a bullet in my brain to see that picture only brings it back more. So I think it was pretty wrong of them to do it, even though I went along with the program at first. I really didn't understand why the picture was so important for them, important enough to take the IV out of my arm and endanger my life by taking the patch off my eye. So he said, I could have been blinded for life. And he said, and face was against it the whole time. Now, Scarface says in an interview with Vibe in 2010, he said, if you look at my face when on the We Can't Be Stopped album cover, you can tell I didn't want to be a part of that photo shoot. Bill was still in the hospital. He was highly sedated, man. I strongly believed in what was what goes on in this house stays in this house. I really didn't want to put Bill out there like that. How many people have gotten an eye shot out and captured it on an album cover for everyone to remember? It's hard to wake up in the morning and deal with that one. And um, Willie D sort of thinks that, you know, he thinks that everybody's entitled to their opinion, but also knows that they went ahead and they still did it anyway. So that's what led to this infamous album photo being taken. And it's something that when you look at it, it is jarring because you do see Bushwick on that gurney and he's peeling that that bandage off of his face. You could definitely tell that something happened to his eye. So, yeah, it was crazy. Definitely very jarring. Another thing about this album as well, this uh, was an album that went platinum. It went platinum early in 1992. This is actually, from what I understand as a group, their most successful one in regards to units being sold. Amazing that Ghetto Boys have been around this long, and this was the best-selling album that they had because they had some big ones. Resurrection, which came out in 96, was another big one because it was their reunion album. So, um, So, yeah. So now we get to the test, the final test and the test of time. So what do we see? Is it a certified classic, borderline classic, classic just in its time or not a classic? And then, of course, seven to ten, how we feel about it. Seven, not as strongly and ten, very strongly and anything in between. So, Jay, what what think you what say you what do you say about this? We can't stop. Um, well, from listening to it like, you know, a few years ago, listen to it now. Um, I'm about to say classic and I'm gonna go nine out of ten. OK. Definitely. I'm going to say that it's a a certified classic as well. Um, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10, though, um, because I do think that, you know, there was a missed opportunity on there as well. Um, I do think there are parts of it that do sound a little dated, but you do also have to understand this is 1991, you know, and then they were a lot. They were a lot, a lot of a different sound in 91 from that point, because there was nobody else really from Texas coming out and that one had a nationwide audience so this was almost like an acquired taste i almost think whenever somebody breaks an area and comes out like whether it's new orleans or atlanta or Mm -hmm. houston or miami it's going to be a bit of an acquired taste for anybody but you know i do have to give ghetto boys that credit for really coming out and putting houston on the map you know and uh really getting them on the national hip-hop landscape so i'm going to say certified classic and i'm going to give it an eight um i do i feel strongly about it i think that Grip it on that other level probably gets more props than this one because that was their first one and it is 
really seen as a groundbreaking release as far as Southern hip hop and Houston hip hop, but I'll put this one kind of right up there in regards to their best work. So there we are. Ghetto Boys, We Can't Be Stopped, 1991, 30 years ago, July 9th, 1991, a little bit early on the anniversary date, but we had to get this one in here and we definitely didn't want to skip it. Y'all make sure you go check it out and read about this album as well and uh, sort of take yourself back to a time and listen and put it into context in regards to how raw this album was in regards to that time that it was in and the space and where hip-hop was in in America. It would probably be very enlightening. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our new host on Red Circle. You can download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to the link in our bio of any one of our social media pages, you can go there to our link tree. It has all of our streaming sources and all of our social media pages as well. You can find us on IG or Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic, and on Facebook and YouTube by searching the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the Facebook page, check in with us, engage with us on social media. We love interacting with our fans. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support, and if you have a friend, tell a friend, and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphone on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big, because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate, because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at I-V-E-C-R-E-8. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.